Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. On 882-6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Barra and O'Day, doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. A little bit of a break from tradition in this episode because we have not one but two guests featured in this episode, but there is a pretty strong connection between them. Uh, firstly, we have uh, Sean Nash, uh, who is a uh, celebrated boxer and now boxing coach, who's also spent a large amount of his time helping to, uh, to I guess, uh, get kids who've maybe lost their way back on track uh, through the sport of boxing. We also have with us uh, one of uh, the people currently being coached by Sean, uh, Brandon Rees, the current 91-kilogram Australian amateur champion, no less. So I better be on my best behaviour this morning, fellas. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much. <laughs> Firstly, uh, to you, Sean, I mean, when you see someone like me, do you see boxing potential? Yeah, there's a, you've got a good build for it. <laughs> really? Being tall is a, is a big advantage to start with. Yeah? Yeah. Where did it start for you? Um, I always wanted to box, but my, my dad would never let me. And then um, it was my little brother that persuaded him to let him go down. Okay. He went, and my dad took him to a place called Lingdale in the north of England. So, yeah, we're talking... In the UK, Northern England, yeah. or around yeah. the Middlesbrough area, near Middlesbrough, yeah, yeah. And Barry, Barry McGuigan had just won the world championship, and he became a, a big hero. It was, it was a big story in England, and it was a big build-up in the press. Everybody loved Barry, and all the boxing clubs were chock-a-block full at that time. It was mm. like when Rocky first came out, yeah. And um, yeah, my brother went down first, and came how, old, home. how old was he? He was, I think, he was eleven or twelve. Is that right? Is you that know, is that young to get in the ring? No, that's about right. That's about right. Yeah. And um, and the very next night he took me with him, and uh, and how old were you there. at that? So I was um, 15, fourteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you remember that moment when you first got in there? Yeah, because the gym was tiny. Um, it was a small youth club, like up on the moors. Um, we had to catch a bus to get there, and then uh, the club was really tiny. And like I said, it was really busy because of Barry. Mm. And the coach just said, "Right, um, we're going to have to see what you're all made of to see what, who can stay and who's going to have to." leave mm. and we all just got matched up jumped in there was blood everywhere and uh none of us knew how to box how did yeah. you go I, I, was, I was covered in blood but he liked me so <laughs> was it your blood though or your yeah, it was mine yeah. <laughs> yeah but me and my brother used to bleed from our nose all the time yeah um but um the, it wasn't the blood rule wasn't as strong back then so yeah the whole fight be covered in blood yeah but um yeah we both got to stay it was more or less like you two can stay you two you lot can come back later Come and see us when you've grown up a bit, or and so about four of us got to stay, and we all boxed on their first show about on on their own home show a couple of months later. Yeah, and then yeah, been in it ever since. Did you sort your brother out as well? 
Oh, he was faster than me, my brother. <laughs> he was, uh, luckily, I was bigger than him back then. So, yeah, he caught up to me eventually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and obviously something clicked for you when you're in the ring and you're in that moment. I mean, because it's been such a big part of your life yeah. ever since. Do you, do you remember something sort of going off in your brain when you first got in there as a 14-year-old and thinking, this is awesome? We just loved it. As soon as we got in that gym, yeah, just, yeah. just wanted to be back there. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about smacking someone else in the head that gives you such pleasure? Well, it's <laughs> it's testing yourself, I guess, as well, as much as anything else. And um, there's probably that primal instinct as well. Yeah. They, you, you know, you have to like a scrap as well. Yeah. There's, there's, it becomes a science. Yeah. Um, hit without being hit. Yeah. And in its purest form, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Brandon? What was the, the first time like for you when you got in the ring? Um, <clears throat> I had my first fight when I was 16. Yeah. And uh, I was originally playing footy and I needed to keep fit over the um, pre-season. So my dad suggested boxing. And then once I started, I said, oh, I'm not playing footy anymore. I'm going to box. Yeah, right. That's, that was pretty much it for me. Similar yeah. story for you. Was it a, a case of just getting in the ring primal instincts taking over and you just loving it? I think um, well, as soon as I started training, I was only allowed to skip for the first few weeks. And then mm. I was like, oh, man, I just want to be able to learn how to punch now. And then I could only punch for the first few weeks uh, just standing in front of a mirror. Mm. And then so I just wanted to keep getting better and better. And then when I had a fight, everything went out the window and it was just swinging from mm. <laughs> going crazy. And after that, I was like, oh, I just... Yeah, have to do this. Yeah. And obviously um, it's worked for you because uh, five years on now, you're the uh, the current Australian amateur champion for the 91 kilo. Yeah. It's it's gone okay for you. Do you is this is this going to be your career and your profession from here? We'd have to correct Maybe we have that to, yeah. slightly because he, he was the current Australian champion. We've since, since his dad talked to you, we've been back to the nationals and oh uh, didn't quite – didn't quite pull it off this time. He's a silver medalist. But this it's year. a title you did once hold, and yep. I'm yeah. sure you very much earned yeah. it, Brandon. And we've got, <laughs> he's got another shot before the Olympics at okay. the end of this year, which we're yeah. we're putting that one behind us. He lost by one point in the final, yeah. so he was almost. I'm sure, you were champion. robbed. Yeah, we were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in the last five years, how has it sort of taken hold of your life, and I suppose you know shaped who you are as a human? Uh, it's completely uh, taken hold of my life and every, everything I do and think is boxing, boxing, boxing. Yeah. Um, I've put many things on hold. I don't go out partying and I don't, uh, I'm, I've just stopped working um, full time once I've finished my apprenticeship so I could give it my all. Mm. I'm training, um, I'm working about two days a week and training six times a week at least mm. two times a day. Um, mm. to, to so it's, it my best it's a full on schedule. You both seem like such laid-back, cool, calm, collected sort of characters. You've got to be quite different, I imagine, when you're in the ring, though, right? Like, you, I mean, you've got to let the the intensity almost take you to the to another level, right? But, you, but you've still got to remain relaxed. That's the that's the hard part about it. This, yeah. You know, you can't be too intense. Mm. Um, you you run out of energy, mm. and um, you know, the people, if you're going too mental, like. Um, you can be red, basically. Like Brandon, Brandon can keep his cool and and keep seeing the punches coming. Mm. Whereas some people that that 
rely totally on brute force and aggression, um, they're not thinking what they're doing, mm. and the, and they can and it's easy to see what they're going to do next. Yeah, and it's easy to see their punches coming. So it's very important to keep the shoulders relaxed. Yeah, and they only tense up at the end of the punch. Yep, the last inch. Yep, and um, yeah, so you've got to remain calm to see what's happening. Yeah, and and to to plan what you're going to do and to follow the plan. Mm. You sort of need that that sort of a um, mentality. Mm. We'll talk a lot about the um, the benefits uh, that you found through through boxing, but let's talk about your injuries so far. I mean, you you obviously don't uh, get in the ring as much as you no. as you used to. Uh, probably around sort of early nineties was about the peak of your yeah. career, right? Yeah. What's the What's the injury toll uh, um, now like for you? What What's from, from start from the top. My injuries are more, that I, that that I have trouble with now is my elbows. Yeah, and right. forearms from overextending when I was boxing. Yeah, just you know, I used to think it was good that noise that used to make when it came to the end of my jab. <laughs> but now I realise your elbow it was jarring. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Um, and now that affects me because I, I damage it when I'm holding the pads, especially yeah. for these bigger guys. Yeah. So I've had m- most of my. Uh, Surgeries I've had have been from pads, yeah, not from, but probably injuries that were caused from boxing, yeah, to start with, yeah, from me not managing it properly as a kid, you know, yeah, and um, yeah, now it's pads. I've just had a, sh- a shoulder reconstruction. I've had a st- on one side, yeah, and then before that I had a snap bicep on the other side that got repaired. Ouch! But it's all from pad work. Mm. Yeah, but I must say you've both got re- remarkably straight noses. Yeah, <laughs> that's because. Have you had work done? <laughs> <laughs> Only with the bug getting punched on it. Yeah. yeah. How many times do you reckon you've broken your nose, or, or, well, like or we were, fractured it? Or yeah, like we were saying earlier, once you once you sort of break it a few times early, Doesn't it matter just, much, just becomes softer and mushes in a bit more. Yeah. And it's just a permanent sore nose, yeah. isn't it? Cushion the blow. Yeah. <laughs> What do you what do, what do your parents think, Brandon? When you know if they see you after a fight and you're busted up? Uh, my mum used to get all worried and stuff. I bet. <laughs> now she loves it. She's, Does she? she's one of the loudest ones. There <laughs> fights. And even my Norna comes and watches. She's 89 years old. Is that right? And she'll come and cheer me on. So, really? Yeah. Well, what she, say, she says the rosary, though. <laughs> yeah, she, she goes and does a says few a prayers. little prayer for you. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. So initially. A few uh, an- anxious moments for yep. your mum, but she's all on board yep, now. Yeah, she loves it now. She's front row. If I'm away, she won't watch it on the computer, on the live stream. Yeah. She'll just wait for a phone call. Yeah. But if it's in Perth, she'll she'll come watch. Yeah, very good. I'm sure you've got millions of boxing stories. We'll get into them. <laughs> we need to take a break, though. This is Inspiring Stories on 882 6BR. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to another Inspiring Story, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we are hearing the collective stories of uh, Sean Nash and Brandon Rees. Um, Sean, I want to ask you about your um, you know, coaching professionals, because I know you've had some great success there. But uh, tell us about uh, what you've been able to do with some kids who might have, might have lost their way at a, at a crucial time in their life and how you've... I suppose, try to get them back on the, the straight and narrow through boxing. How does that work? Well, yeah, um, it's something that uh, some people don't quite understand it until they see it. As you've got, especially kids that are um, being exposed to violence or being violent at school mm. or, or being violent on the street, 
that people think, why would you teach them boxing? They're already well, yeah. fighting. And I suppose that's yeah. always uh, an argument that's that's been around, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, if you've got a kid who's prone to violence, why would you give them extra skills in how to fight? Yeah. What, how do you answer that? Well, it, um, the proof's in the pudding in, in a, just basically... Um, it works in reverse. So you you give these kids discipline. Yeah. Most of them are they're fighting because they've got no structure or discipline yeah. in their own lives. And if they wanna if they wanna box, if they, even if they just wanna have their first fight, they need to um prove that they can come to training every night, mm. at least four days a week mm. for the young kids when they first start. If they yeah. wanna fight, I need them in the gym at least four days a week. And just to do that takes an enormous amount of discipline. Yeah. And then um They've got to be able to control themselves, control their that aggression. Yep. And uh, usually, if 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 they get into a stage where they can compete, then they've controlled that. Mm. And um and they've and they've and then hopefully they they're listening to their coach and and you've become a bit of a mentor for them, mm. which just happens mm. happens if you're teaching them, especially because you're teaching them something that they want to learn. Mm. So you've got them already. Mm. You know what I mean? They're these kids that. Can't, that the teachers can't handle, that they're amazed that, oh, how come you can handle them? Mm. But I'm teaching them something they want to learn. Mm. So I'm already a step ahead. Mm. And, um, yeah, but, and then once they once they get that feeling and and um, make their family proud and become proud of themselves, make me proud, make their club proud, then usually um, they get hooked as well. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're coaching them though, because obviously you know just to go through some of the the standouts that you've had: three Australian elite champions, two New Zealand elite champions, four Australian junior champions, and uh, a number of of state champions as well. Um, I imagine when you're coaching them, you're trying to raise them to you know a level where they can win titles. When you take a you know a kid who's who has no structure in his life and has got got some behavioural issues, yeah. you know, not turning up school, whatever it may be. Um, do you approach that kid differently to how you would a, a promising junior who wants to be the best? No, all, every, that's the thing. At boxing is a great leveler. Everybody's equal. Once they once they become part of the gym, mm. and they become part of the family sort of thing, and and then um, they start learning off each other, mm. and the, the, that little kid starts to look up to your, bit, you know, your Brandon Reese that sat here with me or. Some of my other good ones are, you know, all most most boxing gyms operate on the same sort of, the same principles. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they, you just uh, all grow together and and start. They just start to let, see the respect that these other mm. guys have got, and and they start to develop it themselves. Do you feel like you're not just teaching them skills? You're like a, you know, a father figure, or a big brother figure, whatever you want to call it. You know, a, a mentor, a coach, a psychologist. You're so many things, aren't you? Yeah, well, I guess it becomes like that. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't set out to be that. It just sort of. That's just mm. the, the way it happens, and you you develop because you have to become close to these kids to for them to trust you in the corner, mm. and for you to be able to take them and put them in fights that they think they can't win. Yeah, they have to believe in you, and, and you believing in them is a yeah. big thing too. So, yeah, it's just it's just something that uh, it's like a byproduct of it. Yeah, Cause you t- especially because you're. You know, you you're taking them over east on planes, and you're taking them away for f- sparring, and they come with me to the fights normally as well. So, taking them driving there and back mm. is the times you get to uh, talk to them, and they, especially after they've just fought, mm. they'll tell you all sorts of things. Yeah. Things that you know, just a kid that wouldn't say anything, 
on the way back from the fights, right? It's a different kid. Yeah. In what way? What are they? What are they telling you? Just I tell you, that's their a, just, deepest feelings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. And start telling you, you know, and just you just start to get to know each other. And, yeah. And get develop a level of trust, I guess. Mm. Yeah, and it's something that probably I, I don't know about other martial arts, but I, I, not many other sports have that sort of a coach athlete connection, mm. I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, just by them seeing my own dedication to the sport, um, it rubs off on them. Yeah. Hopefully, that's what that was always one of my philosophies, that, especially at Belga. People would say, "Well, how come you never, you know, you never have a day off? You're always here on time." That was my thing. Was I want to teach these kids to not let me down, so I never let them down. Mm. And and I've found that that's it seemed to work. I suppose it's not for everyone, though. Is it? Uh, is it frustrating when kids come and go and 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 don't stick with it and make the progress that you'd like them to make? Oh yeah. Well, what do you reckon it would be, Brandon? One in. Out of the kids you have there that that start, yeah, not many continue. Yeah, you might, you know, we have novice championships twice a year, and the the um, probably out of all the ones that that enter the novices, we get. Last year we had about eight entered. We only got one of them still boxing, but we're building a new team for the next yeah, yeah. novices. So it's a big turnover yeah. all the time, but you can't blame them because mm. it's a huge thing to commit mm. to. Yeah. But even just a, a big, massive achievement for them just to have one contest. Yeah, absolutely. Something that not many people have done. Yeah. Um, in terms of how it's set up and how you fund it, how do you do that? I mean, obviously, you've got to keep the lights on in there. And, yeah, so... And keep going. How do you do that? Just from the subs that the kids pay. Yeah. And, you know, probably the kids' class, which is little kids, is more of a fun thing. I Tuesday and Thursday, I do 4.30 or 5.30 is little kids, like 11... Six to eleven. Yep, and it's a bit of a madhouse, and it sometimes Brandon helps me. <laughs> it's, it's funny. There's some videos on our Facebook page you can see. <laughs> Just <laughs> wild twelve-year-olds with yeah, this flying yeah. everywhere. But, but even them, you can tell. You can, um, like last week, they were going, they were running around, and it was they were. I was losing control. Yeah. In the general warm-up, I just pulled them to one side and said, "Hey, listen, this is boxing." Yeah, me and Fred. Fred's my old coach. He's eighty-one, I think he is. Yeah, he helps on with the kids and a couple of nights a week. Yeah, so you're letting us down. Me mm. and Fred are so disappointed. That was the worst warm-up I've ever seen. Yeah, and uh, we're not happy with you. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they were just like little soldiers. <laughs> we shamed them. <laughs> yeah, um, there's been such um, a, a push towards, I suppose, awareness at very, you know, the very least about um, head contact and concussion and. Particularly with you know sports like AFL and, and NRL, yeah, does that filter into boxing at all? The concern well, around of course. head contact, yeah, because um, I mean it goes without saying that there's going to be some contact between, yeah. you know, a, a fist or a glove and a head at some point, right? Exactly, yeah, and that's why um, uh, there's a lot of old school gyms that probably still spar every day, yeah, but um, nowadays, and it's the same with some of the top UFC fighters, they don't spar full competition, hard sparring all the time. Mm. We do it um, once a week. We might have a hard spar. Mm. Not hard, you know, not super hard, but, you know, probably um, the rest of the time is what we call conditioned sparring or partner mm. work where it might be just shoulders and body. Yep. So or it might be lead hand only. Yeah. Uh, we set conditions and um, 
it's it's like light condition sparring is like technique sparring, and because in competition sparring or hard sparring, you're only you're not learning the skill you're trying to teach. Yeah, they're learning to survive. But if you take the power out of it and 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 set some conditions, they can actually have time to practice the technique that's been taught. Yep, and you get um the, and they develop muscle memory by doing that move over and over. Yep, but you learn that by doing it slowly and deliberately. Mm. Your muscle memory is better than it doing it flat out. Right, because you learn the how your actually body is actually producing mm. that. Are you at that stage now, Brandon, where everything's kind of memorized? Yeah, uh, most lots of the uh, movements, the yeah, moves come naturally. Yeah, but then there's always new ones to learn and get better at. As soon as yeah. you focus on one thing, something else goes out the window, and you need to focus on that again. So yeah, you just need to keep building, building, and building. And in terms of, um, I mean, you touched on before your your mum sort of freaking out. Um, yeah. we need to take a, a, a break, so maybe I'll leave this till after then. But just quickly, how many how many times have you been knocked out? Um, I have never been knocked out. There you go. That's a good answer. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I want to ask you more about uh, how you've approached that because yep. uh, obviously you've come from um, playing a lot of footy uh, into the boxing ring. There's sort of different demands on you. So uh, after the break, we'll take a break now. This is Inspiring Stories on 882 6BR. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Welcome back to WA's uh, Inspiring Stories. Uh, let's go back to you, uh, Brandon. Um, obviously, you know, you've been boxing now for about five or so years. We're talking about some of the um, issues around injuries and particularly head contact. Um, you haven't been knocked out. In touch with that won't happen. Um, is that something that, I mean, do you, do you think about that when you're in the ring? I've got a Make sure I don't take a – I mean, obviously, you don't want to take a blow anywhere, but um, head injuries, is it a, a lingering concern for you at um, all? Not really. I, no? I don't think about it too much. Uh, I mean, I've been dropped uh, and gotten up on, off the floor in a fight before. Yeah. And As in what? So you just knocked off your feet? and Oh, I've been wobbled and, yep. and been yeah, knocked to the ground and then yep. gotten up before the count, and then I've, I've recovered. Um, but it is a – it is something that kind of lingers, I guess you, th- mm. you think. But I think we're so focused on on the boxing and the yeah. landing our punches and defending that it's not something. Yeah. yeah. So you are obviously, um, you know, desperately keen to get that title back, the Australian Amateur Champion title yep. um, that you narrowly missed out on, uh, having held it previously. Uh, but really, your goal is uh, is the Tokyo Olympics, right? That's my biggest yeah. goal. Yeah. Yeah. What would that mean to you? Everything to me. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much my whole life and ev- everything I do. So yeah. That is. That's what I think about before I go to bed every night. And mm. That's what I. That's what I want to do. So those cold days where you just want to stay in bed, or you're you're feeling a bit tired and lethargic. That's that's what gets you up yep. and about. I've got a whiteboard in my room, and I've got it written across on so I wake up and that's what I see yeah 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 um and beyond that I mean just tell me how it works when you're sort of an up-and-coming boxer is it the dream to turn pro and Um, you know start getting those you know hugely promoted bouts and and obscene paychecks is that the dream um for me my I started boxing because I liked doing it for fun that's my Mm. my thing and then 
over time it became my life and um maybe eventually i'd think about that but everything i'm focused on now is is amateur boxing and that's that's where you can have fights all the time i've had 70 fights now if i was a professional i'd probably only have you know two three fights a year on yeah with the way promotions and and everything goes yeah is there a bit of a, a culture divide between the amateur and the and the pro level? I mean, do, you, do the yeah. do the pros see the amateurs as the ones who want to take their place, or do the amateurs sort of see themselves as the true craftsmen of the sport? Yeah, well, um, international level amateur boxing is, without being rude, um, those guys are, are well above the level of your average professional boxer. Right. There's guys in uh, that boxing pro that couldn't win the state title in the amateurs mm. and that's why they've turned pro mm. so um i don't encourage my guys to turn pro unless they've made it you know made it as an amateur or they can't like one, two of my pros are kiwis and they couldn't get aussie citizenship so they they couldn't box in the nationals or state titles or or make make it in the aussie team when yeah. we went back to new zealand they were up against it too because they weren't living there mm. So they've turned pro, and they, they are, but it's a hard road. The pros mm. they have to sell tickets. Basically, mm. it's um, much easier to make it as an amateur first if you're good enough. Which if you're not good enough to make it as an amateur, in my eyes, there's no point turning pro. Yeah, because you don't make any money out of it. It's still, you know, it costs them yeah. to box. Yeah, you know, they're still having to work. Can you make money out of it? If you don't mind me asking a rude question, can you make a living out of boxing eventually, Brendan? If yeah, if yeah. if you have a good backing as an amateur, or you work, uh, work your way up as a pro, do the hard yards, then yeah, yeah, good enough. Eventually, you can. Yeah. Then they can, yeah. But it's only the top, the top yeah. small percentage of the like top. Any sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rest of them are doing it for the love of the sport. Yeah, yeah. Which is you know, which is admirable too. Yeah. What's your uh, specialty then, Brandon? When people say I've got to face, uh, you know, Brandon Rees in the ring, what are they going to be? Mostly looking out for what's your weapon? Oh, my favourite punch is my right uppercut. Right, and sometimes it can get me into trouble because I like fighting in close. I'm I've got long arms, I can I can box, but yeah, sometimes I get a bit excited, get sucked in. Yeah, and I want to get in there and and fight and throw throw that right uppercut. Yeah, yeah, but his jab. Most most, most of the guys that spar him all the time or that fight him, they they don't like his jab. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep an eye out for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go back to your, um, I, sp- I suppose, highest profile fights as, a, as an amateur then, back in, I suppose, around 1991. Yeah. Um, you had some, some great success there. You were represented Australia at the King's Cup in Bangkok, the President's Cup in Jakarta, uh, the King's Cup again in Bangkok. That was 1991. Uh, and then you've boxed in, in China as well. That um, China one was the first amateur boxing there f- since they became communist. Right. That year, they'd, and they just hired a Cuban coach, and and tried to, and and started to develop their mm. team again, and get th- with the international um, style, and they've since become more of a force. But that that tournament was like a turning point in China. Mm. Back then, it was still, it was. Still, um, the dark ages over there. I can imagine. Everyone was riding bikes. Yeah. The only cars were the buses that we were in. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. When yeah. you think back, yeah, we had to, um, it was 
that the food in the hotel was the best thing. They'd brought in like Western Chinese food for us. We were having sweet and sour pork every day. <laughs> Honey chicken, yeah, yeah. prawn crackers. Yeah, because they thought that's the what... Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and was it as much about the, the, the cultural exchange as it was, you know, the boxing bout for you? Yeah. Or were you simply there just to get in the ring and oh, land a few blows? I was when I when I look back, I was I wish I had have had the preparation now that that I know is required for that level because mm. um, back then it was just um, I was the only sparring partner I had was my brother who was three years younger than me. Is this is this the the, the did you drag him out from Middlesbrough then? Did you? Oh, well, we're all is over it? here. We came. Oh over. right, okay. I've been here since I was yeah uh, since nineteen eighty six. Yeah. So, yeah, Mum and Dad brought us over. And, um, yeah, we both boxed for one row together. My brother was good too, but mm. he, he ended up getting married young, younger than me. And, that'll, uh, that'll kill any sporting yeah. ambition. Won't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there, though. <laughs> um, you still sort your brother out, you reckon? Oh, I don't know. He's, a, he's pretty fit. <laughs> but, I mean, those those times, you know, that when you, you're competing on a big stage like that, yeah. Um, you know, will they go down as highlights in your life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially, I didn't appreciate it at the time. Yeah. But now looking back and people ask me about it and I start thinking about it, I'm like, oh. Yeah. It was a huge thing, especially back then I used to fly there by myself to meet the team in Bangkok mm. because they were all from over east, so it was quicker for me to meet them there. And, um, you know, 18 years old doing that sort of thing back then was was huge when I look back at it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and and now when you see a, a potential champion and you want to take them, you know, onto that stage uh, as well, I mean, how much of of, of those experiences filter into your, your guidance there? How much does it impact on how yeah. you train them? Uh, well, just what I think when you've uh, when you've got them to that level and that and you can talk to them about how it feels. Mm. That that's a big thing, mm. and I think that's important that for them to trust you as well. Because, you know, um, why would they believe you if you've never done it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that for me, that's um, a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've because you've I rattled them off before. You know, you've you've um, had the opportunity to coach some uh, Australian champions, New Zealand champions, state champions, yeah. junior champions. When you see them and you and you, you see a, a, a champion in them are you looking at them i mean how much of boxing is 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 the mind and how much of it is the body and yeah um, when you are you looking at their skills or are you looking at um their mentality what do you what do you see that identifies them as a champion i suppose i'm asking well there's all different all different uh mindsets that can still make it mm. and different styles of boxing too that can make it so um everybody's different and everybody has their different strengths. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, you can't really pick one certain thing that's going to make it. And on the day at the nationals, when you get to national championships, which is the highest yeah. thing in Australia to win, um, there's a lot of things in that come together that have to come together on that well those three or four days. Yeah. To actually win that gold medal, like yeah. last the last nationals, everything went sweet with Brandon. You know, he, he, he beat his, uh, one of his old bogeymen that he struggled with before. Has a real awkward style. He beat him in the first fight. And then the next fight he won clearly. Yeah. And he went, got to the final against the guy he's beaten before. And, 
it just didn't happen. There was yeah. a clash of styles. Yeah. You need a certain amount of luck, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Everything has to fall into place. Yeah. And see, when you see Brandon coming to the ring, are you thinking like he's got a he's got a good mindset and good skills or I mean Yeah. And and, and what can you help to sort of shift? Um, um well for me it's more the the um giving him certain things to work on in the gym and on the pads we do mm. certain things and we talk to each other a lot about about uh, what's working and what we need to improve on. Like when we went to Germany last year, earlier this year, we came back both trying to model a certain Russian boxer that we saw there that we thought Brandon could mimic some of the things he was doing mm. and the way he was loose and, and, mm. and uh, he was a big guy but he still moved uh, like a lighter guy, you know? Yeah. Um, things like that uh, I can improve on. But then he's got other mentors as well, that like Matthew Pavlich yeah. and Danny Green pulled yeah. him aside a little bit. And um, Pavlich has helped him with Two a lot Two pretty of high mental. achievers to have in your camp there, <laughs> Brent. They've given him some good tips yeah. how to handle things mentally, yeah. which is a big thing. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, uh, We need to take a break, but I want to hear more about that uh, after the break, Brandon, how they've become part of your uh, your setup as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing that. This is Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR. Back with more after this. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest's Plural, Sean Nash and Brandon Rees. Brandon, you were just uh, telling us before the last break about uh, some of the other people that have sort of entered your world now uh, to help you more with the mental side of things, Danny Green and Matthew Pavlich. How did those relationships come about? Um, I, I went and did a, a speech at my school. I went to Aquinas and... Are you an Aquinian, are you? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> See, I went to Trinity, so oh. <laughs> he wants to punch me now. <laughs> and, it's all right. We're all grown up and mature about it now. It's a, just a friendly rivalry, right? Um, <laughs> Wish I'd known that before. <laughs> <laughs> I would have done this interview over the phone. <laughs> um, yeah, I did a speech there trying to raise um, uh, sponsorship for myself and the club yep. um, to travel and get more fights, more experience. And um, through that, I uh, got put on to uh, Danny and uh, Pavlich. Yep. Uh, actually, uh, Matthew Pavlich was through Student Edge. He uh, contacted him and, uh, yeah, he, he I see him once a month. Um, yeah, right. He talks about the, the mental side of things. Just how to handle pressure. Handling pressure. Um, and Some good tips on yeah, travelling as well. Mm. And to not be jet-lagged and, you know, he told me, Little have secrets, secrets to yeah. avoiding jet lag. Yep. Yeah. Please share. <laughs> well, well, wearing skins is one of them. Is that while, right? While you fly. Yeah. Yeah. Like just for a bit of compression. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. And it really... Uh, Maybe not so. in summer when you're going to Bali. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But a lot of the times you, we're flying from Western Australia, we're flying yeah. to compete and it's yep. usually a, a small turnaround. Yep. So you might fly in the day before fight yeah. the next day so yeah. or you might fly in the night red eye mm. fight the next night even sometimes mm. because we've got to work and stuff on this side of things we can't mm. be going for a long time so yeah. any any little thing that can help recovery is, yeah. is awesome absolutely yeah. uh, and what about Danny Green um, yeah uh, 
he met up and we had a coffee and he um, watched um, one of my fights with Dave Naika. Uh, he's a two-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist. And, um, yeah, he gave me some, some tips and, and his phone number if I ever need to talk to him about mm. anything. Um, I mean, when you're having a chat with him, obviously, um, you know, Pav's got some great advice uh, in terms of just being professional and travel tips and, and handling pressure. When you're talking to Danny Greeny, you're talking about, you know, real moments in the ring. Yeah, he he, he watched my video and, yeah. uh, you know, gave me some tips. Uh, good advice? Yeah, good advice. And, yeah. Uh, you're not, you know, um, setting up. I, I was just leading in with a rip to the body and saying, what are you doing before that to, to hide Preparation. it? Yeah. 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 Um, so that's the sort of thing me and Danny talk yeah. about. Yeah. And Danny's boxed at that level too. So. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, there's a lot, a lot of guys have, have been top boxers in WA, but not many have boxed on the international stage like yeah. Danny did. So, and that, and it's, it's it's something that you can't really comment on unless you've done it. You know? Yeah, I, yeah. I can imagine. Um, I think is it is it fair to say? I mean, a lot of people who don't um, have a, a real interest in the sport, you know, a lot of the we probably have some great boxers in Australia that people have never heard of. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy where I was just with over in uh, Queensland, got back yesterday lunchtime. We were there for four days just sparring with um, Australia's best chance, of, we think, of, of, of winning a world championship, mm. uh, a world elite championship, and, and our best chance of meddling at the Olympics is Justice Huni. Yeah. And they, the amount of work they've put into that kid, he's only 19, mm. but um, he's, he's unbelievable. Is he? Yeah. And hopefully, will it'll become a household name in the next twelve months? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Danny Green's obviously, you know, the the most well known WA boxer yeah. of my time, anyway. Yeah. Um, after that, I, I couldn't give you too many. No, that's right. There's, no. not, there's not many. You only got your Jeff Fennick, Danny Green, yeah, people like that that, that the general public the, would and know the other about. bloke that Danny Green's fought a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and as part of it, because people see, you know, the the Rocky movies and get completely the wrong idea of what boxing is about. Yes, I think so. If, if people, and but it's becoming because of the the rise in uh, corporate boxing. Yeah, and we, I th- that's actually in some ways it's not good for the sport because of the safety aspect. Yeah, sometimes you've got guys that are not evenly matched in there. Yeah, they've only been boxing for six weeks and they're sticking mm. them in for an actual fight. So there's been there's a lot of uh, um, a lot of people don't like it because of that. But on the flip side of that, you've got guys, businessmen, getting involved in boxing and mixing in gyms with real boxers mm. and seeing the dedication that's required mm. because they've done it themselves. Mm. And hopefully that you know I think there has been some good sponsorship come from that mm. and some. Um, recognition of the sport, an interest from parts of the community that, that wouldn't wouldn't normally have yeah. otherwise shown an interest because of the appreciation yeah. of what's required. Yeah, can I ask you? You know the um, the explosion in uh, UFC format fighting. Um, how has that? Do you think changed the perception of your sport? Um, well, we're we're probably seen as the the safer option, the more the the more sportsman like sport. I think we don't punch people when they're, when they're already knocked out. Mm. And the referees in, like um, we were saying earlier, the referees in there to protect the boxer. Yeah. The safety of the boxer is paramount. Yeah. Whereas you, you can't say that about uh, yeah. MMA, when, especially when they're 
they're knocked out already and they jump on top of them and still carry yeah. on hitting them. Yeah. Is that a, a, a sport or an arena that appeals to you in any way at all, Brandon? Uh, not really. Lots of my friends, um, they're into it. And yeah. Some of them are very good and I love watching them. Um, but it's not something that not I'm, for you. No, no. <laughs> it's a completely so, different. To someone sport. who doesn't, who doesn't, you know, get right into either sport, they might see it and go, "Really, what's the difference?" I mean, different shaped arena, yeah. you can kick uh, in some of those, some of the MMA fights. Um, but above and beyond that, and you know, especially when they see someone like Conor McGregor, you know, go from the ring to the yeah. cage. Yeah. Um, you know, what's the difference? I mean, you mentioned before kicking someone while they're on the yeah. ground, which is well, something you hear a lot about. But apart from that? Well, just, just talking to some of the um, – one of my Xboxes, Cody Haddon, is a, is a top MMA practitioner now. He's a jiu-jitsu expert as well, and he's been doing both his whole life. Yeah. And um, But when he explains the, the difference, a lot of it can be because you have to be ready for kicks coming and you have to be ready to be taken down. Whereas in box, so you need to be they, they need to be kind of tense because yep. of that. Yeah. But they also need to when they're striking, they need to be relaxed. Like I was saying before, when you're boxing, you need to have loose shoulders and be relaxed. Yeah. So there's there's a a crossover of all those different disciplines. That, yeah. And must uh, it's really hard to. Yeah. Uh, I can see that it's a different sport altogether. Yeah. 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 I'm showing my ignorance here, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, just just lastly, I mean your Jim. Uh, um, Nashi's Boxing Club. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, continuing the great work uh, that you do, particularly with uh, you know kids who are struggling. Yeah. Uh, and getting them you know back on on a good path. Um, the future of the, of that gym. How do you how do you see the future there? Is it, are you kind of you know living week to week fundraiser to fundraiser? Um, well, the money that comes in every week is just the the ten dollars that the kids throw in the bucket on the sink. Yeah. Um, and the boxers are only paying; they pay thirty bucks a week. Yeah, um, but it, Just, that, that pays the rent mm. and a little bit a small profit. But yep. for us to be successful, we have to travel. Yeah, it's like we we're saying earlier that um, now that Brandon's at a top level for him to get the edge, yeah. we need to be taking him internationally. Yeah, too. like we went to Germany earlier this year. Um, so we you're were taking at, not just necessarily the champions, the, the kids who have who have lost their way. Who've come under your boxing guidance? These are the kids that you're taking. Yeah, in some cases. Yeah, some cases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, some sometimes I'll take. We might go to New South Wales for um, for a couple of fights, and we'll yep. take all. I'll take everyone that's boxing. Mm. We went to England last year. Yeah. We took eight. I was three of them were juniors. Yeah. So yeah, we rely on sponsorship for that, and um, and donations and mm. sausage sizzles and. Just whatever fight you can. nights, any fundraising we can do, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, we t- we try and take the whole club if we can. Yeah, if we're going to go on an international trip or anyone that's committed. Mm. Yeah, well, well, good on you. We wish you all the best and, and keep up the good work. Because, uh, um, well, you don't need to read the newspapers or watch the TV or hear the radio to know that there are so many kids out there who need a bit of help. Yeah. Mm. So. Thank you and all the best with that. And, Brandon, we look forward to seeing you uh, with a gold medal around your neck at the Olympics next year. Thank you very much. No pressure. Thanks very much. (laughs) Uh, This has been another episode of Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Everyone has a story to tell. This one brought to you by Bower and O'Day. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA inspiring story. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Bower and O'Day.
Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.